This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. Send us an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. You can go out to iTunes. You can hear us on Spotify. You can leave us a rating if you like what you hear here every single week. Hello to our friends over at thehackersparadise.com and to those of you listening on the THP mobile app. And, of course, hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixon Golf. Just this morning, special delivery at our front door, the new Cleveland Launcher HB Turbo Driver. I am looking forward to trying that out, hopefully this weekend. If I sound a little stuffed up, uh, it's because I am. Uh, weather's changing a little bit here in the Chicagoland area, and I believe I have caught a head cold. So hopefully I can get out to the course, or at least the driving range, uh, relatively soon to give that sucker a try. And folks, today we're going to try something uh, that we've tried a couple times in the past, and now this is, I don't know what, episode 221, I think it is. And we try to open up the proverbial phone lines to all of you. And so a little bit ago, at the time of this recording, it's about, oh, I don't know, about 8.25 p.m. Central Standard Time, I have put out on Twitter a request for any questions, any topics that you want me to talk about. And so when we come back from our break here, I am going to take a look at anything that you wrote about, anything that you want me to opine about, and I'm going to talk about it. Now, in the past, we've gotten some pretty good... uh, some pretty good questions. We've gotten some pretty good topics as well. Most of the time, it's people trying to take a few shots, and that's perfectly fine as well, because here at Golf Unfiltered, if we if we really want to be unfiltered, I, I really do want to continue to keep that thread going. And so there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in golf every single week. We are getting towards the Silly season, so to speak, as far as professional golf is concerned. The industry, of course, continues on strong. There's a lot of different products that are coming out. I just mentioned one from Cleveland Golf, and of course they had many others that came out most recently. And there's just uh, there's always something to talk about, but we also want to make sure that we keep in touch with what you find the most important. And so... That's what we're doing today, folks. Sit back and relax. I hope you enjoy what this show becomes. I actually, at this point, have not checked what people have asked, and so I'm interested to see what that will be as well. So stay uh, stay tuned for more as we get back, or when we come back, after this quick word from our friends over at the Four Golfers Network. I know you love the game, even though it drives every single one of us crazy. Hi, this is Bill Hobson, and I host the Four Golfers Network podcast, where we celebrate golf in every way imaginable. You'll hear interviews with the biggest names in the sport, travel features, special contests, and we even take your calls. So after you listen to Adam and Golf Unfiltered, give us a try. Subscribe to the 4Golfers Network podcast, that's F-O-R-E, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back, folks. And as I mentioned 
today we are answering the questions that you want to hear answered as well as talking about the topics that you want us to cover and so i've done two things since the intro i've gone ahead and i've sent a tweet out at golf unfiltered as where you could follow us to see all right well what do you guys want to talk about and i've also gone to the hackersparadise.com forums and i've put a post out there to say all right same thing what topics do you want us to address and nothing is off limits i had no idea what was going to come in a few things have so let's take a look and answer the first question and this one is from twitter and it came from our friend at Searching for Par. Apologies if I missed this. Don't apologize. Well, don't 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 start off with an apology. It's okay. I'm sure I've not talked about this yet. Apologies if I missed this. But have you hit the epic forged yet? I assume that you mean the irons. Uh, if so, what do you think? Thanks in advance. Also understand if you'd rather add on. Hey, I don't. I'll answer anything. Not a problem. That was the whole rule of today. I have not hit the Epic Forged uh, yet. I uh, look forward to soon, but looking at the features for the Epic Forged irons, and I'm just referring to CallawayGolf.com here to get a little bit of this info. Uh, First and foremost, we know the big story regarding these irons, and that is really the price tag. You know, well, maybe that's not the biggest story. That's probably unfair. The biggest story is, you know, forgiveness looks the playability performance of course but all of that from a consumer standpoint kind of takes a backseat to the first thing that you see at the top of the website for example and that is from 23.99 and 99 cents now that's an expensive set of irons so what do you get for that well you get ultra premium forge design for pure sound and feel according to their website you also get controlled launch and distance from the suspended tungsten core that sounds fancy 360 face cup for industry-leading ball speeds, spin control, VFT, I'm not sure what that is for consistent distance, and ultra-premium components. And so there's a lot of different things that are promised right off the bat. Now, if I remember correctly, and I'm going to take a quick look here at the specs, if I can get those up pretty quickly. I, I know a lot of these clubs that you know speak a lot to forgiveness and they want to speak to more distance and now i've got the spec sheet up here and i'm seeing that it's pretty much the same story here as well they've got the lofts pretty jacked up okay and i mean that not messed up but rather they are very strong for example if you look down at the seven iron which i believe my current seven iron is 32 degrees of loft the loft in the epic forged irons at least the seven iron is 27 degrees so a full five degrees stronger the pitching wedge for example is 41 degrees and i believe that mine is around 46 if i have to i have to really think back now uh but there's certainly benefits to that and if you're the type of player that needs a little bit more distance on the on the course then perfectly fine go out and do that for me personally is this a set of irons that i would play probably not and that's uh, me saying that having never hit them and that's a you know that kind of touches on something regarding the website that we run as well. We don't have reviews on every set of clubs that come out, and part of that, well, is because we don't get all the clubs to review. And I think we've been pretty transparent about that. But the other side of it is a lot of that's done by design because there's there's not a player on the planet that could play any set of clubs that comes out. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. There are demographics and there are skill sets. 
uh, for players across the spectrum. And there are pieces of equipment that are made for those people. I, it wouldn't be doing our readers or our listeners in this case any good if I were to go out, try all of these irons, and let you know, or pieces of equipment, and let you know, hey, you know what, this is how it performed for me. Wouldn't make any sense. And frankly, we're not a website that's going to tell you that one thing is better than the other. We don't declare winners on anything or anything like that. You can go to different websites to find that, or you can go to different publications. But when it comes to the Epic Forged irons, you know, obviously the big story, as I mentioned earlier, and aside from the price tag, is the forgiveness, it is the distance, and it really it's, it speaks a lot more to where these iron makers are going, especially for people who need, uh, for players who need game improvement or super game improvement. They're going for more stability. They're going for higher launch. They're going for more forgiveness. You know, that's something that we hear every single time when a new set of irons gets released. Guests that have come on the show have talked about that as well. There's a lot that goes into a design of these irons. And of course, when you've got stuff like, you know, the hollow body core, or in this instance, you've got a tungsten core. That's going to lead to more distance. You've got a 360 face cup that's going to, as far as this, what this says, employs a shallow, flexible rim around the perimeter of the face that flexes and releases at impact to promote fast ball speed. Everyone wants to get faster. That's been the biggest buzzword for the last couple of years. Speed, speed, speed. If you remember when I joined my buddies, uh, JB from the Hacker's Paradise and Michael Verska, now of Callaway Golf, coincidentally, Uh, At the PGA show, we talked a lot about speed in a couple videos. Ball speed is wonderful. I mean, that's (laughs) that could be like the subtitle of this episode. Ball speed is wonderful. If you know how to use it, if you know what your equipment can do for you, if you know why it's a benefit to you and how it's going to help you score better, then by all means, go and get it. Personally speaking, for my uh, game, I prefer irons that I know how far they're going to fly. I, I want that distance to also coordinate or uh, correlate with whatever number is stamped on that iron because those are the clubs that you want to score with. And so thank you for the question, searching for par, but I have not tried them. I, I will probably do so at some point. I do not believe that they will go, be going into my bag for the reasons that I outlined. But once again, thanks for the question. Moving right along, and this is something that happens every time that we do one of these things. I I get a few off-the-wall questions, and so I'm going to address one right now that was on Twitter. And this is from at Poundtown10, a name any mother would love. Is the sun cold? Is Joe Flacco elite? (laughs) Who uses more, uh, looks like steroids or juice, uh, Rory or Kepka? All right, well, thank you for the question. Uh, the first two are very easy. Uh, is the sun cold? Yes, of course. It's cold. I don't know. Of course it's not. And then Joe, is Joe Flacco elite? Not anymore. I mean, where is he at? Denver? I didn't even realize. I was watching, what was it? I was watching uh, the Broncos versus uh, the Bears, the Chicago Bears. Now, I'm not a Bears fan. Some of you guys know this. But we were watching the game, and I just completely forgot that Joe Flacco is now on the Denver Broncos. I mean, I, they got a, at least at the time of this recording, they got a big problem in Denver. But uh, I think at a time, I mean, Flacco used to beat the piss out of uh, my my New England Patriots for a long time. But um, not anymore. I don't don't think we got to worry about Joey. Uh, As far as uh, Rory or Kepka, you know, it's funny, too, because I know this is always going to be something in in professional sports. You know, performance-enhancing drugs, 
anything or whatnot. I don't think either of them do it. Obviously, it's I, I don't think that's I don't think that's a too hot of a take. But um, uh, you know, it's something that I think people are going to continue to always talk about, and and you know, it's almost filtered over into the equipment testing protocols themselves. You know, it's always just trying to catch somebody in the act of something. You know, and obviously there's I'm not saying people don't cheat on tour. I'm not saying that that's not a thing. I just don't I don't see why anybody would want steroids in the I mean I just don't see that happening, you know. And yes, I know there's there's been a lot of talk about certain big name players and certainly two of them were in this question. But you know, I just don't see it. And quite frankly, even if it did, I don't I don't care. I really don't care. There's no I mean yeah, I, I was always in that that bucket uh, when they were talking about, you know, uh, baseball, you know, and any other sport, really, you know, Olympics, you know, I didn't watch cycling too much with the whole Lance Armstrong thing. I mean, I, who cares? I really don't. Who cares? Sports are, is entertainment to me. And if I'm being entertained, then great. You know, I don't I don't care. I'm not going to tell somebody what they can and can't do to their body. I mean, whatever, do whatever you want. I don't see any benefit to it. I mean, I know that if you talk to uh, Brandel Chamblee or if you talk to Gary Player or whomever, you know, about working out and beefing up in the gym as, as far as how it impacts your golf game, I mean, these guys are doing just fine with whatever they're doing, and if they need to do certain things, then great. If somebody wants, whoa, I think a rocket ship just went by my office window. Holy cow. Uh, that may have been Rory. That may have been Rory running because <laughs> he sounds so much juice. I don't know. Uh, uh, fun question. Thanks <laughs> at Pound Town, but no, I, I don't think that anyone does that. But thanks for the question. All right, let's switch things up and go to the Hackers Paradise forum. And again, uh, listeners, you can go out to hackersparadise.com and click on forums. You're going to see what I'm talking about. I'm a member there. I can be found there quite often, actually. Uh, this is from oh, Molten, good old Gary. What I assume you mean? What is the biggest red herring out there in golf? In other words, something people are focusing on that they really shouldn't be. Oh, Gary, coming out with a haymaker. Um, there's a there's a few. Uh, you've probably heard me talk about a few. And Gary, I know you and I have talked about a few in person. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk recently regarding just manufacturing defects. And while it's an important topic, I do don't think it's as rampant and as, I don't know, detrimental to the game as perhaps people have made it out to be. Now, I've talked at length about this before and if, in past episodes, but if you've not heard those, you know, manufacturing is a very defect-driven and oriented and... Uh, prevent it you know that's a part of manufacturing that's why tolerances exist we've had multiple conversations with a few experts on this show and they all explain all right well you've got tolerances on when a product comes off the proverbial assembly line and that product has metrics and measurements that have to fall within a certain spec and so when you talk about something like golf balls, you talk about something like the core in a golf ball being off center. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. 
that would be what's considered a defect. And could that send, uh, sticking with the golf ball example, could that send your shot off one way or the other? I'm sure it could. Certainly there are people arguing that it does. And I would have to say that if for some ungodly reason I decided to cut open a golf ball um, out of a dozen golf balls I just bought and I saw that the core was off center, yeah, I would I would probably be a little angry. Maybe not angry. I would probably be, well, that's interesting. But this also came up, you know, on, on the pro circuit of, as well. And we kind of touched on this in the previous question specifically regarding a uh, the driver test. Uh, you know, Xander Schauffele is the name that came up. Probably unfair for us to always just focus on that, but that's the context that everyone's going to know. And his uh, characteristic time or the CT of his driver was out of spec and therefore was deemed unusable or, you know, you can't use this driver. Now, there's reactions that people had and the the knee-jerk reaction or the outrage reaction is to go and say you know what something is wrong with the company that built that that driver we are being sold lies what what about my driver is that is that a defective driver so all of these natural human reactions came up and honestly it's there are ways to address this. And Gary, to your question specifically, I, I really don't think that we have to focus all of our energy on whether or not the equipment that you have in your bag is defective or not. I mean, just get fit. Get fit to your equipment. Now, people hearing that are going to hear, they're going to probably say, well, you can... If the, the club's defective, the club's defective. No fitting's going to help you. Yeah, that's probably true. But I'm also here to tell you that it's almost impossible, almost impossible, to have a batch of products consistently come out completely defect-free. And anything, not just golf, anything. I mean... At GolfAndFilter.com in the next coming weeks, we're actually going to start doing a little bit more of an educational series, I guess, or maybe even a resource. I'd like it to be a resource on topics of uh, defects, of topics of quality control, uh, to kind of help explain this a little bit more. Because there's a lot of misconceptions around this whole thing. Gary, I'm glad you asked this question. And, you know, it, it a defect, depending on context, is is a bad thing. But it's not catastrophic. Again, depending on context. If we're talking about healthcare, then of course it could be. It could be life or death. We're not dealing with life or death in golf. So when a product uh, is... And, and this is the world we live in too, right? I mean, if something goes wrong and all of a sudden it's everywhere and then everyone's talking about it and everyone just jumps to that conclusion that someone's being misled or or they're trying to slip one past us again just for a buck. I mean, that doesn't... Uh, we, I, I just don't believe that that's the mentality that these brands have. People might think I'm naive. I don't know. I just... I don't I don't feel like, like these brands want to rob you. I really don't. There's no benefit for them at all. Because now, especially in the world that we live in today, where people are cutting open golf balls 
and and all the technology available to measure all the characteristics of a golf club it's so easy to find when something is defective and then it's even easier as step two to go on social media and let everyone know about it why would brands want to risk that another topic again going back to golf balls I could I could talk about this forever, <laughs> but another thing regarding regarding golf balls, you know, Costco. Uh, as of I just found this out a couple hours ago, they uh, came back out with their Kirkland Signature golf balls. Uh, probably not the original that everyone got all hot and bothered about a few years ago, uh, but they came out with another batch. They were available. People started buying them up like crazy because that's what we do. And uh, lo and behold, the covers on the golf balls were brittle. They, they were lasting only a few swings, and a lot of customers were pissed. So what did Costco do? The, the megalith that it is, it did the right thing. It started issuing refunds to people. They actually put a, a statement out on social or on their website saying as much. And as I understand it, you don't even have to send back the product. You just get your money back, which is great. That is accountability. That is a brand, a manufacturer, a, a storefront, whatever you want to call it, coming up and saying, you know what, we, we messed up. We're going to try to make this right. Our bad. And that's the way things should be handled and it should be over and done with. Now, I know that we don't live in that world. It's not all just rainbows and unicorns. People have long memories. People remember these things all the time. I imagine that the next time somebody, especially if you bought a dozen golf balls from Costco and it had a, a defective cover, I'm sure you're always going to remember that, and you're probably not going to buy another one. Who knows? But this stuff happens all the time. I mean, did, do, we, do we not think or do we not realize that for as long as golf equipment's been around, here comes Rory again if you can hear him. <laughs> Uh, for as long as golf equipment's been around, there's always been defective products. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there, Gary. We have the technology now to detect things like we never did before. And on the other side, it's a matter of, oh crap, people are finding out and they're going to tell everybody about it and then our sales are going to are gonna, uh, be impacted. So... You know, I, I'm sure that's a much longer answer than you were anticipating, Gary, but I, I, you know, I just, I don't think we should worry as much about whether or not that, pro, those clubs you have in your golf bag, those golf balls you have in your pocket or in the, you know, don't worry too much about that because quite frankly, the majority of golfers are not going to go and try and find out if they have defective equipment. They're just not going to do it. People like to say they're going to do it. I mean, golfers are a very fickle bunch, and I say that with love, but we're also creatures of habit and creatures of opportunity. And if we've got an opportunity to go play 18 holes, you know, for the first time this month, I don't care if I'm hitting hickory and a lot of golf balls. I'm going to go out and I'm going to play. I'm going to make the best out of it. Chances are I'm not going to shoot my best round ever, and I sure... I could go ahead and blame my equipment. But in the same token, what are you trying to really focus on here, folks? You're trying to actually focus on having a good time. At least I am. That's where I think people's focus should be. Not so much on whether or not the core of your golf ball is off-center by a few millimeters. Thank you for the question, Gary.
Okay, we got another question here from uh, one of the THP forum members, and this is from Greek Elite. Thank you for the question, sir. Thoughts on new subscription programs, meaning clubs, balls, gloves. Are they sustainable? Are they just fads? Other boutique companies trying to make a quick buck. Uh, he seeps, he keeps seeing them all over social media. He has the uh, maybe he's just a pessimist. He does not foresee them lasting long or providing good products. Well, this kind of segues actually pretty nicely from the last topic, and at a at a high level, I'll touch on the subscription model here in a second. Um, but first and foremost, I mean boutique brands. It's a it's a word that gets thrown around quite a bit, and it's not a bad word by any means. I mean, it really just speaks to a uh, you know an independent, pretty much smaller uh, demographic specific brand, and there are plenty of those in golf. Um, I don't necessarily know the, the hardcore operational definition of what a boutique brand in golf means, but there are a lot of options out there nowadays, folks. And as we were talking about in the previous question, it all boils down to performance of the equipment that you have in your hands and whether or not whatever you paid for that equipment gives you the return on that investment. So the performance is related to the price and you know, golfers, uh, aside from being fickle and creatures of opportunity and creatures of habit, we're also, we also kind of have egos, right? We all know this. We've got some pretty big egos and we like to spend money. We do. And boutique brands, uh, most of them, uh, tend to be a little bit more costly because they are, again, smaller, trying to make a name for themselves, trying to, you know, keep a business going. And a lot of times they have different manufacturing, um, processes, techniques, whatever, to bring a specific type of product to you. There are different sizes. I think, uh, well, I know we've had a few uh, smaller brands on our show in the past. I think everyone should be given a fair shot. I think everyone, I mean, that's that's what this country was built on, right? You want to go and you've got that American dream. You want to go ahead and build that, that that company and that product and you want to sell something and you want to hopefully, you know, make your first million and then many other after that. Where people run into trouble or where brands run into trouble is when, um, you know, and this has been another topic on social recently, when, when people aren't as transparent or brands aren't as transparent as perhaps maybe they should be on where they get their their product or where everything's manufactured. Now, the the elephant in the room that people talk about but they don't really talk enough about it, I don't think, is that yeah, a lot of you know, golf ball independent golf ball companies, I mean, their their products are being made in overseas, you know, usually in Japan or China or or somewhere where there's a manufacturing plant, they've got a bunch of just blank golf balls and they probably have a catalog and actually they do have a catalog of golf balls of different types. A small brand goes, they pick out what they want, they slap their logo on it, and they sell it. Direct to consumer. That's the big thing these days. As, you know, uh, Mike Mahoney from Titleist mentioned to us a few episodes ago, other big brands do direct to consumer as well. There's a difference, by the way, between the direct to consumer pricing and the direct to consumer shipping. Or manufacturing, so there's a difference there. Um, irons, we've probably, if you're on social media, Instagram, Twitter, you see a lot of different iron companies as well. Again, a few have been on, been on this show. Chances are, a lot of them are doing near net forging. 
as friends of mine have explained to me, it's pretty much the same thing. Manufactured overseas, there's a catalog of different types of templates of irons, iron heads at least. Brand picks what they want, they slap their logo on it, make a deal with the shaft company, put the shaft in it, and they sell it. Happens all the time. Most don't make it. Usually, if brands aren't careful, in the litigious society that we live in, chances are there's a lawsuit or two. If you remember back to the Titleist Ball lawsuit of years past, where there were a lot of independent golf ball companies that were basically, well, they, were, they weren't here very long following that, that lawsuit. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Now, that also feeds into the subscription model, uh, Greek Elite, that you talk about. And I'm torn on that. I, I haven't seen a golf brand uh, do it correctly. I don't think any of us have. Uh, let me know if I'm wrong. If there's a brand that you could think of, please, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Um, but other product uh, subscription services is where everything's going. When you think of like Netflix, Hulu, you think of all the streaming services that you've got, you think of all the food. I mean, hell, we, uh, me and uh, Mrs. GU, we subscribe to a number of things, including a um, direct-to-my-door uh, meal service. I forget the name of it. <laughs> We've tried a few, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of like Blue Apron or one of those. I mean, it, everything's a subscription. Hell, uh, I have uh, air fresheners in my car that I pay $7 a month to get delivered to my uh to, to my door i mean so they're everywhere i think it's only natural that golf is going to experiment a little bit more with a subscription model i know that cut golf as the very early days they experimented with a subscription model for new golf balls i just think that you're gonna they're gonna have to figure out which aspects of equipment fit that mold the best where do i see it fit the best i don't think you can do it in golf balls at least not the way that it was attempted in the past you could probably do it with accessories like gloves was uh, suggested here in the question um you could probably do apparel i know a lot of companies do that um uh, birdie box i think is one of them for example and there are others maybe Drivers, I don't know. That goes against the go and get fit element that we like to preach here on the show. But if drivers are coming out as frequently as they are and players see a benefit to that and it's actually documented and, you know, websites like ours and others that show the benefits of these new pieces of equipment, would you pay an annual fee? Would you pay an initiation fee? And then maybe monthly or quarterly to always get that new upgrade. I mean, they do it with cell phones. They do it with, I mean, they've been doing it, of course, with cars forever with car leases. But, I mean, my, my iPhone, it's it's basically a lease. I could go ahead and if I've paid a couple bucks more, I can go ahead and jump into the new iPhone every once a year. Why couldn't you do the same with a with a driver? I don't know. I don't think we're too far off it. But I also think that that uh, golf, again, with the whole fitting element, I mean, we're not, uh, a cell phone is one size fits all, right? Drivers shouldn't be that way. Golf clubs shouldn't be that way. You should know what you're doing. And so if there's a company that could figure that out so that they maintain that 
that constant touch with the customer and you almost kind of go along with them for the lifetime of that customer. I mean, that's a lot of loyalty there. And if they can, they can latch onto that. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. I think that there's uh there's a lot of, a lot of potential there. It's just smarter people than I have to figure it out. But thank you so much for the, uh, for the question, Greek elite. And then right below you, we've got another question here from snicker dog. Which golf company is next to fail? Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, that's so tough. I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even be able to begin to name companies, and I don't think I would want to anyway. But if I had to guess, I mean, that's a that's such a big, big question with fail. You know, what's going to fail next? Well, how do you define that? Is it which company's going to close? Well, it's probably going to be a smaller one. Uh, or they're going to merge with a bigger company. That happens all the time. Um, if it's going to be a large, if you mean that it's, you know, which of the larger companies is going to have a major meltdown? Well, I don't think that's going to happen very often or very soon at all. Certainly not to the likes of, you know, like Nike Golf, for example. You know, just the first thing that popped into my mind. I mean, they don't make equipment anymore. I would say that. Some would say that was a failure. Others would say that they had a pretty good run, considering the people that were in their stable or the players in their stable. But uh, I don't think we're that close uh, with any of the other big brands. There's a lot of talk of, you know, mergers and, and leadership change. You know, a lot, of, a lot of companies get sold, bought and sold overnight. I think that's something that is going to certainly happen much sooner than a company just going completely under. Um, but thanks for the question, Snicker Dog. Well, folks, I think that is going to about wrap us up today. So thanks to everyone who sent in some questions. Once again, you can follow us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered. And you can send us emails, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. I already mentioned to you guys, if you like what we do here on the show, please go out to iTunes and rate us five stars. That way the podcast can move up the rankings just a little bit so other people can enjoy it as well. Stay tuned for some new content coming out on golfunfiltered.com, including a review of the MP20 Iron Line from Mizuno. We also have a video that's going to be posted up pretty soon from a very unique uh, second annual farm-to-table dinner that was held at Cog Hill, and uh, the team over at Cog Sustainability, led by Angelica Carmen, um, it's just an amazing experience. And so you're going to want to check out the website as well for more information on that. Thanks as always to everyone for tuning in. We will be back again next week with another episode of our podcast. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and hit them straight. <laughs>